0: In the movie Days of Thunder, Cole Thunder, who was played by Tom Cruise, was asked by his girlfriend why he races 200 miles per hour in NASCAR stock cars, and he haughtily answered, I want to be able to control that which is out of control. Our text for today raises the question, is there anything we can control? Jesus said, what gives life is God's spirit. Man's power is of no use at all. A little while later in the film, while in the middle of a heated argument because Cole has just previously chased a taxi cab recklessly and violently around a hotel parking lot, his girlfriend points her index finger at his face and says, Listen, Cole, you better wake up out of your little dreamland and learn what everybody else in the world knows. That people are not in control of anything. We are finally and ultimately powerless. And the quicker you learn that lesson, my weak-minded, immature friend, the better off you will be. What gives life is God's spirit. Man's power is of no use at all. We want to be able to control things. From the time that we're little, we human beings have that desire to try to control. If you don't believe me, take away try taking away a toddler's favorite toy. They're going to tell you in no uncertain terms that no, you can't do that. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. And in our text this morning, what has happened to occasion this conversation between Jesus and the disciples? This follows on the heels of Jesus turning the fish and the bread, feeding the crowd of 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish. The people want more. It's never enough. They want to be able to control Jesus because they want a reliable source of food. But they can't control Jesus. Jesus doesn't fit into a neat and tidy box. If he did, he wouldn't be worth worshiping. If we could control God, then there'd be no point in worshiping God. And God wouldn't be able to do anything to offer us salvation and eternal life. The crowd has to learn that they can't control what Jesus is doing. That Jesus will minister on his terms, which are God's terms. And what he asks the crowd for is to make a commitment to follow him let him be in charge and to follow him. And the crowd gets upset. And they want to leave. They they don't want Jesus' rules. They they don't want to follow Jesus. They want Jesus to follow them. And so Jesus turns around to the twelve. And he says, guys, What do you say? Do you want to go? Jesus basically opens the door for the twelve to leave. Mission ended. Whole thing's over. Jesus opens the door and says, "Hey, if you, you know, if you guys, if y'all want to go, go." And Peter says, "Lord, where are we gonna go?" They've made the commitment. Peter and James and John and Matthew, they've all, Andrew, all of them, they've all left everything they knew. They've left behind families. They've left behind businesses. They've left behind homes to follow Jesus. They've given up everything they had. They've made a commitment. And they realize that in this moment of decision, when it's time to recommit, they realize there's nowhere else to go. They've given up too much. They want to be with Jesus. They want to follow Jesus. We need to have that kind of commitment. We need to hold on to Jesus like there's nowhere else to go. Because the truth of the matter is, there really isn't anywhere else to go. If you want salvation, you want eternal life, you want something that's really going to help you live your life differently, there's nowhere else to go than Jesus. You can try other stuff. The world's got a whole set of solutions it's willing to offer you. None of them works long term but we get tempted sometimes to make poor choices. The Reverend Dan Matthews tells a really scary story. He said a number of years ago he had a woman walk into his office without an appointment. She was very upset. She had been beaten up by her husband again. She had begun to notice that each time he beat her, it was getting a bit more violent. She had stayed with him because he had a job and she didn't. She had also stayed with him because he had never beaten their daughter. But that had changed recently as well. He had started hitting their daughter. The mother was afraid for her life and her daughter's life. As they sat there in the pastor's office, she cried and it became clear that she could leave him. She had a car. She had a friend who lived in another state. She could pick up her daughter from school and be gone she didn't even need to go home. She had a way out. But she suddenly changed her mind. She she couldn't leave. She needed to go back home. There was a stray neighborhood cat that she fed at her back door. She was going to go back home and live there because she was afraid that no one would feed the cat. She's being beaten, her daughter's being beaten, and she's afraid nobody's going to feed the cat. It took Pastor Dan counseling with her to help her evaluate what were the really important decisions that needed to be made. She eventually admitted that her daughter's life was more important than the cat's feeding schedule. But it can be hard. In in the heat of the moment, y'all, we can make some pretty bad decisions because we forget what's most important. She walked into the pastor's office knowing that the most important thing was to get her and her daughter out of a bad situation. But then this cat, this poor helpless cat comes into the conversation. All of a sudden, oh, no, no, I can't possibly leave. i got to feed the cat. No, you don't got to feed the cat. You've got to get out. The cat will manage. You've got to get out. We've got to make commitments to Jesus because our only way out is Jesus. But sometimes we think instead of following Jesus, we need to go feed the cat. Or we need to go out on the golf course. Or we need to go to the football game. Or we need to hang out with our friends who don't worship God. And we fall into the trap. Jesus may not call us to leave everything the way the disciples did. The disciples left everything. They gave it all up. We know Peter was married because Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. The Gospels tell us that, so we know he was married. We don't know about the other disciples, but we know they had businesses. We know that Peter and Andrew and James and John were all fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector, that was a good solid living. Not well regarded, but a good solid living. They all left those things behind because they knew the only way out was through Jesus. And they made that commitment. And we've got to be willing to make that commitment. There is nowhere to go. There is nowhere to go. I want to tell one more story about commitment. At the Olympic Games in Paris in 1924, the sport of canoe racing was added to the list of international competitions. The favorite team in the four-man canoe race was the United States team. One member of that team was a young man by the name of Bill Havens. As the time for the Olympics neared, it became clear that Bill's wife would give birth to her first child about the time that Bill would be competing in the Paris Games. This is called Murphy's Law. In 1924, there were no jet airliners from Paris to the United States, only slow-moving, ocean-going ships. And so Bill found himself in a dilemma. Should he go to Paris and risk not being at his wife's side when their first child was born? Or should he withdraw from the team and remain behind? Bill's wife insisted that he go to Paris. After all, he had been working towards this for all these years. It was the culmination of a lifelong dream. Clearly, the decision was not easy for Bill to make. Finally, after much soul searching, Bill decided to withdraw from the competition and remain behind with his wife so that he could be with her when the first child arrived. Bill considered being at her side a higher priority than going to Paris to fulfill a lifelong dream. To make a long story short, the United States four-man Canoe Team won the gold medal at the Paris Olympics. And Bill's wife was late in giving birth to their first child. She was so late that Bill could have competed in the event and returned home in time to be with her when she gave birth. Murphy's Law. People said, what a shame. But Bill said he had no regrets. After all, his commitment to his wife was more important then and it still was now. The story of Bill Havens is a story of how one man paid a high price to fulfill a commitment to someone he loved. And that's what Jesus is asking the disciples to do what Jesus is asking us to do, to make that commitment to him, to put it all on the line. 200 years ago, a group of folks met and started this church. They put it all on the line. They started this community. They didn't know how long it would last. They didn't know if this church was going to take off and grow or wither away on the vine. But they felt a need to serve Jesus and plant a church. And 200 years later, y'all are the living testimony of their faith. And your faith in Jesus is what will keep this church going for the next 200 years. Amen. So I encourage you to, to hear these words of challenge. Hear Jesus asking you, do you want to go to?" And answer with Peter, Lord, we've got nowhere else to go. There is no answer but you. I want to finish with what um, Paul Harvey used to refer to as the rest of the story. There's a sequel to the story of Bill Havens. The child eventually born to Bill and his wife was a boy who they named Frank. 28 years later, in 1952, Bill received a cablegram from from Frank. It was sent from Helsinki, Finland, where the 1952 Olympics were being held. The cablegram read, and I quoted exactly, Dad, I won. I'm bringing home the gold medal you lost while waiting for me to be born. Frank Havens had just won the gold medal for the United States at the Canoe Racing event the medal his father had dreamed of winning, but never did. There's a sequel to our acts of commitment as well. Our commitments to one another, our commitments to God. We reap the abundant harvest of righteousness. We reap a harvest of joy and peace that endures forever. May we turn to Jesus and follow him as the only one that can make a way. For we know that we truly have Nowhere to go. Amen.